Amen. You may be seated. What a beautiful song to prepare us to hear from God's Word. We've been working our way through the Gospel of Matthew. Today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. If you're looking at another of Jesus' parables, we're going to start in verse 24. If you're using the, the church Bible there, if you don't have uh, your own copy of God's Word, we'd love for you to, to grab that one. should be in the rack in front of you. Uh, page 818 is where you'll find to the, today's passage. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, we encourage you to take that one home. Uh, that's our gift to you. Last week, uh, well, before I begin that, that introduction, as you're turning there, just a couple of quick announcements. Uh, this is a, a big season in the life of our church. Uh, if you've been here um, for a while, uh, at least for the past few weeks, we've been talking about our master plan and the building program that we are uh, seeking to embark upon. Um, next Sunday, February the 25th, uh, we will have a, a special soup Sunday and service of Thanksgiving after our worship service. We'll probably, I uh, haven't uh, fully worked this out yet, we'll probably shorten our regular worship service um, so that we can, we're going to gather in here, we're going to eat together uh, in this room, and so we'll have to turn this room into our fellowship hall. Uh, food will still be uh, over there in the fellowship hall, and you'll grab your food, and you'll come in here. Uh, parents, if you have children uh, who don't want to hang around for the, the meeting part of that after the meal, we'll have activities for them. But we're going to spend some time eating together. Uh, we're going to hear some, some testimonies of God's faithfulness to our church over, uh, over the past many, many years. Uh, we're going to have a congregational meeting where we vote on acquiring some property uh, along the back of our property, and that property has been donated uh, and so yet another sign of God's faithfulness to his people, that's not property that we have to purchase. Uh, we just get to vote on acquiring it. Uh, and so that's a, that's a beautiful thing. But as a, as a congregation, we have to vote on that. You're, the property belongs to you as a, as a church member. And so uh, we have to vote on acquiring that property, even though it's being donated to us. We'll do that during that time. Uh, and then we're going to turn in our pledge cards uh, so that we can begin kind of forecasting uh, what our next steps will be. And so um, if you do not have a pledge card yet, if you are a member of Grace Fellowship and you don't have a pledge card yet, there should be some out there on the resource table. Uh, and what we're asking for in that pledge is two things. One, if you are not already regularly giving to the, the worship and work of the church, uh, which is a vow that we take as church members, if you're not already doing that, we want you to begin there. Uh, we want you to experience uh, the, the joy and freedom that come with uh, giving a portion of what God has given to you back to him. Uh, to help you do that, there's actually a, a sheet of paper out there that kind of gives our stance on, on giving. Uh, on that sheet of paper, there's a link to a giving calculator so that you can actually look at your income uh, and look at percentages and figure out, okay, if I were to give this percent, what does that look like? If I were to give this percent, what does that look like? What would it look like for me to take the next step? Uh, so that's one thing on, that's going to be on that pledge card. Uh, but the, the other thing that we're asking for is if you are regularly giving and are able to give above and beyond to the building fund, we're asking you to pledge an amount there. Uh, now let's talk, what, what is a pledge? Let's talk about that for just a second. Um, a pledge helps us to be able to plan forward. So you're, you're forecasting in faith saying, hey, this is what we think our family, this is what I think I can do as an individual uh, for the next year, for the next three years. Um, but that's not binding. 
right? We understand that God controls our circumstances. He controls our income. And so that number could change. It could go down. By God's grace, it could go up, right? So uh, don't think that because you put something on a card that we're sending somebody to your house with a baseball bat to collect, all right? That's not, that's not what a pledge is. A pledge just helps us try to forecast by faith what our next steps need to be. Uh, if you have any more questions about that, about that process, uh, members of our building committee are going to be by the easels in the back after the worship service, and uh, I'll be happy. We'll be happy to answer any of those questions. But so next, that's next uh, Sunday, and we hope that you'll be here for that. Um, you may have also noticed when you came in, there are two big water jugs, um, one for Grace Youth and one for Grace Kids. Uh, our our children are getting in on this fundraising campaign. Uh, by competing with each other for pocket change. Uh, and so you can, you can read the instructions back there, but basically uh, you need to give your pocket change. Uh, you can divvy it up between the youth and the kids. You can choose one of those groups if you like. Uh, there are consequences for whoever wins that competition. Uh, if the youth win, then Zach gets doused in ice water. Uh, if the children win, then Rebecca gets doused in ice water. So maybe you just decide, like, who you want to see doused in ice water. Uh, and somebody said, uh, asked, well, what if they tie? We hadn't thought about that, but if they tie, I'll get doused in ice water. So now I don't know how you're going to make that happen because it's pocket change, you know, that's hard to count. But um, anyway, that's, that's, how the, uh, that's how the game will work. Uh, and you can, you can see the setup back there for any questions about that. All right, let's give our attention to God's Word. Last week, uh, we looked at the parable of the sower. We're in a section of Matthew's Gospel uh, where Jesus is teaching through parables, through these uh, stories about the physical world that make a spiritual point. Uh, And what Jesus taught in that parable that we looked at last week is uh, he, he gave us four different kinds of people, four different soils that receive the seed of the Word, And he was explaining why some people receive the message when others do not. And what we learned is that we by ourselves are spiritually incapable of receiving the word. Uh, And so uh, Jesus says that um, we need to have eyes to see and ears to hear. And that's a gift of God. And so I'm going to pray that God would give us that gift and then we're going to read his word. So let's pray. God in heaven. Would you make us good soil this morning? Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are soft so that we would believe and understand and put into practice your word? And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So now we look at the next parable, Matthew 13, verse 24. Jesus, uh, Jesus, Jesus puts another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, well, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, 
lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. And now let's jump down to verse, 40, uh, verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. This is the word of the Lord. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. So when Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. For those of you who were here last week, what does he mean when he says that? What's he telling them to do? What's he telling us to do? You can answer. It's okay. Listen up, right? That's what he's saying. When he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's saying, pay attention. Lean in. Seek understanding. Do, do what the disciples are doing here, right? They didn't just hear a story about a farmer and go, hmm, that was interesting. They said, hey, Lord, uh, can you explain to us what you mean by telling that parable? What, what are you talking about? And we see in verse 24 that what Jesus is talking about is God's kingdom. He's telling us what God's kingdom is like. And so three truths about God's kingdom that uh, we're going to see today. One, God's kingdom comes slowly. Two, opposition to God's kingdom will exist until Jesus returns. And then three, God's kingdom cannot be stopped. Those three truths come out of this parable uh, and its explanation. God's kingdom comes slowly. Now, before we talk about that, we should probably define again, uh, because new people are here, what is God's kingdom? What do we mean by that? In one sense, right, we could say, well, God, God rules over everything that he has created, uh, God has created everything visible and invisible, and he, he rules over it all. So wouldn't his kingdom be everything? And I guess if we were talking about kingdom as a place, yes, in that sense. But it's clear that Jesus, and he talked about the kingdom was what he talked about more than anything. It's clear that Jesus means something else, not so much a realm, but a rule. Because we know that within the realm of everything that God rules, <laughs> there are people who don't accept that rule. In fact, that's where we are naturally. 
That's what our first parents, Adam and Eve, did. They rejected God's rule in favor of becoming king and queen themselves. And when they did that, they broke the world. And so all of their children following after them, which is every single one of us, desires to be our own little kings and queens. We reject God's rule in favor of our own. And so God's king, God's kingdom is when people live under his rule and blessing, when they accept his rule. And we've also seen, as we've gone through Matthew's gospel, that what Jesus came to do was bring that kingdom. He came to invite people into that kingdom. He came saying, repent and believe in the good news, because the kingdom is here. So Jesus is the one who brings the kingdom, and so to receive him is to enter into the kingdom. All right? So when Jesus says the kingdom is like, or the kingdom may be compared to, verse 24, what he's saying is, this is what it looks like when God is at work. This is how the kingdom comes. Now, here's what many people listening to Jesus were expecting. Jesus was a Jewish man, and he lived in a Jewish context. Uh, and so the Jews from coming out of the Old Testament had a very clear, or thought they did, had a very clear idea of what the kingdom was, what it would look like. And what they were expecting the Messiah to do when he brought the kingdom was to save Israel and maybe some Gentiles and then punish all their enemies. They were expecting a dramatic, even violent entrance of the kingdom. And that makes sense when you think about how kingdoms usually work. There's a, there's a sense in which you could look at world history and say that, the, that, that all of history is the story of kingdom conquest. One kingdom conquering another kingdom. Right? I mean, you just, even within the, the time of the Bible, in the ancient Near East, what we call the Middle East today... You have the Babylonians conquering the Assyrians. Then they're conquered by the Persians. Then they're conquered by the Greeks. Then they're conquered by the Romans. You can look at the colonial period. Think about what Spain did in South America in conquering the Incas, the Mayans, the Aztecs, who by themselves also conquered other peoples. In our own, closer, closer to our own time, you can think about what Japan did on the Asian continent and in the Pacific, the Indo-Pacific region, how they uh, violently conquered and subjugated the Chinese, the Korean Peninsula, uh, and that part of the world. And anger and hatred still linger in that part of the world from that conflict. So my point is that normally when we think about kingdoms, if we're thinking about them correctly, we think about kingdoms violently overtaking another one. But Jesus says God's kingdom is not like that. That it does not come in with sudden and violent force and crush all of its opposition. No, it comes slowly. It's like a wheat field. It's not this violent, sudden takeover Rather, it's like seed growing into stalks of wheat, and it takes time. And we'll talk more about this next week. Uh, there's a couple of other parables that, that tease this out. But at least one thing we can take away from this point is that in our day, when we love the big and the flashy, or when we seek quick results, 
we need to be reminded that God moves slowly. That God is growing a wheat field. He is not working on a fireworks display. It is not, it is not boom and done. Rather, it is steady growth over time. And that means, and this is one word you can take away from today's sermon, that means that you and I can be patient. We can be patient with God's slow work in our lives. We can be patient with God's slow work in the lives of others. Because it grows slowly. Which leads to the next point. Opposition to God's kingdom will exist until Jesus returns. Right? Jesus, again, in, in worldly kingdoms, what you seek to do is wipe out your opposition. Right? That's what... That's what a worldly kingdom does, right? When it takes over, it figures out, okay, how can I wipe out all the enemies, everybody who's opposed to me? But God doesn't do that right away. Jesus tells us the story of a field sown with good seed. And he tells us that the field is the world. So this is not just a parable about the church, though it has application to the church, right? There are there are weeds and wheat even in the church, even in the visible church. But he's talking about the whole world. And the good seed are those who belong to God's kingdom. So Jesus sows his people all over the world. But then an enemy sneaks in and he sows weeds. And the word for weeds here refers to a poisonous plant called false wheat. Not only was it poisonous to eat, but it also looked exactly like wheat until the ears of grain began to appear. And by that point, it's probably too late to pull it out because its root system had, come, had become entwined with the wheat around it. And Jesus says that the false wheat are the sons of the evil one, those who belong to him. And that the enemy who sows them is the devil himself. And so these servants come to the master and once, they, once, they, once the wheat begins to bear grain, once it becomes very apparent that uh, this, there's false wheat in the field and, and enough of it that it's a problem, then the, the servants come and they say, well, do we, re, do we need to rip it all out? Do we need to weed the field? And the master says, No. I don't want to damage my wheat, so just let them grow together until the harvest time. Then we can separate them. And when is that harvest? Jesus says very clearly that the harvest is when he returns at the end of this present age. So that means this. In the meantime, in this present age, until Jesus returns, those who belong to God's kingdom... And those who don't will live together in this world. What do we do with that? What is Jesus telling us to do? He is telling us to be patient. That one day he will sort out friend from foe. And until then, we wait. Now Jesus is not saying this is an excuse for sin. He's not saying that we don't practice church discipline and seek the purity of the church, right? Because Jesus also teaches those things. But what Jesus is doing is correcting our expectations. And I know I've said this before, uh, but it's, it's so true in my own life. 
expectations are just almost everything to us. The reason, uh, most of the reason for the joy and the sorrow that we face is our expectations. What do we expect to get? What do we expect to happen? The reason we are disappointed and angry so or sad or fearful so often is because what we expected and what really happened were very far apart. So what Jesus is doing is he is correcting our expectations. He's saying, hey, listen, you're not going to purify the world. You're not going to purify the church. That will wait for the day when I come at the harvest. Then, then that will happen. In the meantime, be patient. Right? Because it's, it's easy to look at the world and become disillusioned and cynical. It's easy to look at the church and become disillusioned and cynical. Right? So maybe... You know, we, 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 like to, we like to hop around. We, we, we hop from church to church just waiting, looking for that, that perfect group of people. Or maybe, maybe you, if you're here, by the way, for the first time in a church this morning in a long time, we're, we're glad that you're here. Maybe what's held you out is that ugh, so many hypocrites in the church, so, so many self-righteous people. You know, and so I'm glad that Zach gave that welcome that he did this morning. I didn't, I didn't tell him to do that. He gave that. That came from him. But we want you to know, right, uh, if, you're, if you're looking for the perfect church, keep looking. Right? This is, a, this is a room of imperfect people. This is a community of imperfect people. We're going to get some things wrong. Yes, there are going to be people in our midst who say they believe but don't. And, and their lives may look really, really good. They may look like wheat, but they're not. But here's the other reality. There may be some who look like weeds who, in fact, will be wheat. And if the master has chosen not to rip them out, that is a good thing. And so we can be patient and wait for his judgment. The master is patient and gentle as he tends the wheat. Here in a minute, we're going to hear about a a ministry that our church has just begun supporting called Unbound 216. They do work in the Bibb County Correctional Facility. And we're going to hear about how God is growing wheat in a place where we would only expect to find weeds. A place where we would assume no wheat can be found. And God is growing wheat there. So we can be patient and we can wait. Why? What is it that enables us to be patient? It's God's promise. And we see that in number three. God's kingdom cannot be stopped. We can wait patiently. We can be patient with one another. We, cannot see, we, can, we can choose not to try to do God's work in our way. And make society what we want to make it. Because God is going to bring his kingdom and that cannot be stopped. His saving work will not be frustrated. In Jesus' day, if you sowed false wheat in someone's field, it was an act of revenge. It was actually against Roman law. 
what you were trying to do was to harm them. You were trying to frustrate their work. You were trying to damage their crops. You were trying to get back at someone. And that's exactly what the devil seeks to do. He seeks to frustrate God's work and limit God's harvest. But as the old saying goes, the devil's playing checkers and God is playing chess. For all of his savvy and scheming, God's will will not be frustrated. His harvest will not be limited. Jesus will rescue his people. He will bring his kingdom to completion. And he will do that on the day of harvest. There will be a day when the field has grown up and it will be harvest time. How does Jesus describe that day? Look in verse 41. Jesus says, the son of man, who is that? That's Jesus. That's a title that comes from Daniel 7, where it says, one like a son of man comes with the glory of heaven, with the clouds of heaven, and he comes before God, and God gives him dominion over everything. You know what another word for dominion is? Kingdom. Jesus is the king. He has dominion over everything, and he says that he will send his angels. No mere man gets to, gets to tell angels what to do. These heavenly messengers belong to King Jesus. He will send them out, and they will gather out of his harvest. His harvest. I want you to see all of those pronouns. Jesus is in complete control. And they will gather out of his harvest all causes of sin and lawbreakers. This refers to people who live in opposition to God's kingdom. And because they reject God and they reject his son Jesus, they will be removed and they will face terrible judgment. Jesus says in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus does not make light of hell, nor should we. This will be a terrible, terrible end. And it should move us with pity, not with righteous indignation, not with self-righteousness, but with pity. We should pray for those that we know that they would not face this judgment. If you are here this morning and you have not yet placed your faith in Jesus, I want you to hear the warning in these words. If you die, having never trusted in Jesus, then you will face an eternity of unimaginable torment. And I do not want that for you. Come to Christ. Come to his mercy. Now, today is the day of salvation. What about those, what about the other group? Jesus says in verse 43, they they will no longer be hidden among the weeds. But on that day, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. This is the only place in the Bible where the kingdom is described as the father's kingdom. I realize not all of us, for those of us who are fathers, we have not been good fathers. You may not have had the experience of a good father. But there is meant to be 
a mountain of comfort in these words. This is no harsh kingdom. This is a kingdom where those who are saved in Christ will experience the joy and love of their Father for eternity. A very clear distinction between the two. So the question is, how do you become righteous? If the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom, how how do I become the righteous? And here's the answer of the Bible, not through your own merit. Who Who in here could look at this and say, yeah, I think I've accomplished that. I'd describe myself as righteous. Paul tells us in Romans 3.20 that no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by their obedience. Righteousness is not something that we earn. And if that's true, then what hope do we have? That's the bad news. But here's the good news. That punishment, that weeping and gnashing of teeth, The Son of God came down from heaven and he lived a completely righteous life. He lived a life that shone like the glory of his Father. And then he went to the cross and he experienced that torment, that weeping and gnashing of teeth, that wrath. He took it on himself so that you and I don't have to. So that you and I, as Peter says in 1 Peter 3.18, he says this, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Friend, that's our hope. We can patiently wait his day because of that hope. And if you are here this morning... And you have never trusted in Jesus. I invite you to repent and believe in him so that when the day comes, you will not experience God's wrath, but you will experience his love. And if you would like to know more about what that looks like, please come talk to me at the end of the service. Let's pray. Father in heaven. Again, we thank you for your word, and we pray that it would bear fruit in our lives, that you would open deaf ears, even this morning, that a sin-sick sinner would hear the call of the gospel and would believe and would be saved. Lord, as for your people, help us to be patient as we await your promise. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.